I love you. Hi, sorry, I was not hearing you. That's okay. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can hear you um, loud and clear. Great. Yeah, so um, I just want to say um, thank you for um, taking the time out of your schedule to come on. Um, so as, we, as I said in the email, um, I wanted to discuss, obviously, climate change, um, nuclear energy and that sort of stuff. So, if I may, obviously, um, you know, we don't have to go into um, too much detail, but obviously you were a former Extinction Rebellion member. Mm -hmm. Um, What sort of changed your mind and to leave the group? Um, I think they started out doing a really good job at getting people aware of climate change and then they lost their way a little bit by focusing on just trying to get people mass arrested as a way of fighting for climate action. I think there's far more productive ways of doing that and also more inclusive ways. Um, so it was around then that I just decided that I'd been a useful voice in the movement, but I couldn't really be that useful anymore because I sort of deviated from their their basic principles. Yeah. Um, I recently interviewed had I recently interviewed um, a spokesperson from Israel Britain, um, mm. and and their. So I, so in my in my personal opinion, I think they're over exaggerating a little bit. But obviously, you left Extinction Rebellion because of of differences, and then so where did the nuclear energy come in to it? Well, I already um, knew that nuclear energy needs to be part of the solution. It was it's in the you know, key reports by United Nations and Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. But I couldn't speak about that as an Extinction Rebellion spokesperson because they say they don't talk about specific solutions like that. But it was when I went on the Andrew Neil show for them as their spokesperson and he kept asking me what we were going to do to replace gas. And he asked the same question again and again. And I felt very stuck because I wanted to say we need renewables and nuclear, but I knew that I couldn't say that as part of that group. So I sort of didn't really give him an answer and it did not look good. Um, that clip had, you know, it, it had like two million views overnight. Um, and that was when I it was a turning point for me when I realised actually people kind of care about the issues and they want to see solutions and they want to see solutions that benefit them. Like, for example, you know, cheap, clean energy. And, you know, and now with, all you know, the, the, the price hikes and things, people are even more worried and, and caring about that and want action. So actually... There's a case to be made that we should be talking about that and that's what we should be pushing for because it benefits everybody um but that organization you know quite a lot of these kind of direct action climate organizations now don't believe 
in doing that. They just completely believe in disruption, fill the jails. And I just don't think that that's very helpful in terms of what we need to achieve. And also, it's not really recognising how many people actually do want positive change. And that, you know, we could be kind of galvanising on that and encouraging people to get involved rather than just saying either you sit in a road or you don't care about climate change. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more because, um, I mean, I can I can understand the concerns, obviously. Like, I think we're, we are all aware of what's going on. So I don't, so I'm not saying that I don't understand their concerns, but with regards to enslaved Britain, their actions is what is causing the, you know, massive disruptions. And it's actually doing more harm than good. And so, you know, obviously I had a member of a, a member of theirs on um, recently, and I also interviewed um, Just Stop Oil. oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in terms of so when you were with Extinction Rebellion, in terms of like the data that I'm assuming that you would have collected, how would how would that data be formulated? Like, how would it be? Like, would there be key points that you had to dial in? Like, how was the structure? Sorry, do you mean? You mean what? What is the the research saying, or what is Extinction Rebellion saying? What what um what are Extinction Rebellion saying versus what the research is saying? Extinction Rebellion are saying so they they they're getting some things right. They're saying climate change is serious. We should act on it. We should bring down emissions. Yep. Okay. We should stop burning fossil fuels, especially in kind of developed wealthy countries where we're able to do that. Yes. Okay. Um, but they're also saying that if we don't do that, humans will go extinct. And they're also telling people that if we don't do that now, then it's too late. Or they're even saying even if we act now, it's too late and we will all go extinct. None of that is true. There's no evidence for that. Um, and it doesn't really make sense anyway to say it's too late to act um, because then what's the point of pu- pushing for action? It's, it's kind of led to this climate doomism, doomerism, uh, which is making a lot of people just give up on wanting to do anything and it's making young people you know feel really anxious they're getting eco anxiety and just not engaging with things that actually we could improve now like bringing down emissions and improving air quality and um lowering you know energy prices for people by investing in clean energy so that's where they kind of deviate and um but i would say the the main issue is that their core their core principle is they want structural change so they say this thing, which is system change, not climate change. And I've noticed this been picked up by kind of environmentalists all over the world. And I think it's not very healthy because actually, if you believe that we need to take action and improve things, improve life on the planet and the state of the planet now, then you don't have time to completely restructure society and, you know, the way that the political system works. You just don't have time to do that. You need to be realistic. Um, you could talk about that later. But right now, what you need to do is 
bring down the emissions which are harming people and it to me it's it's as simple as that and that should be the core message but their message is actually a political message um which doesn't have anything to do with the science i mean they would say it's you know it's this system that got us into this this problem but i think that's that's a bit of a stretch of logic yeah um because obviously i in preparation to obviously the enslaved Britain, I read the um, Chatham House report, the IPCC, um, and they were solely going off of um, obviously the, the professor or scientist who wrote that report, and he was saying that within, within the next, I may, I may be paraphrasing, um, between two to five years, if we don't um, obviously um, going to renewable energy, we could have they, we could have a possible rise of one point two percent increase in global warming, and I think, and I agree. I think at, at its core, the message is there. But I think they're going the wrong way about it. And that's why, it's, for me, it's important for me to have, pe- have people on the show like yourself who actually know the actual, the actual research and that to obviously make it very clear and to have a healthy debate because they're sending mis- mis- signals out, out everywhere. They're causing massive disruptions, and so all we, all the general public are seeing are the massive disruptions, and they're just completely being switched off because that because enslaved Britain are acting like you know children because they are, you know, getting everything mixed up with their messaging. And it's like, so, in your experience of being a science communicator, what would what would your five steps be in order to create a solution? So, one thing that we're we're not talking enough about is the 2050 target so the government has set in the uk the government has set a 2050 target they're actually on track to meet that target they are building a lot of offshore wind nuclear everything that's needed to decarbonize but i would say the moral argument is that's far too late and that's also relying on future governments to you know keep up the pace i would say we should push for much sooner it doesn't really matter about a date we could say 2030 but i just say much sooner and we should also be communicating with people about that and also about the fact that it would benefit them because it will, you know, having energy independence at home results in cheaper bills for everybody. And that people do care about the environment, but they care about that more. And I think that's a really good selling point. And we shouldn't just say everybody should have to care about this issue. A lot, you know, the fact is a lot of people are struggling to put food on the table. So realistically, we should be using that argument to convince them. Um, because there's also um, another issue. So there's, there's so many different things you could cover. Another issue is that there's a lot of nimbyism. There's a lot of people who don't want to build any of this at home. But the reality is, is if you don't build it here, 
you're just exporting the cost elsewhere. So we're always importing, you know, gas and coal. And it does mean that we have more expensive electricity. You know, in France, where they've had their own nuclear reactors, over 50 reactors since the 70s, they've had the cheapest electricity in Europe. A lot of people don't realise that if you produce it at home and it's creating good jobs for people at home, that is the best way to do it. So there's lots of these talking points. That's just two examples. Um, there's lots of these talking points that are super important in bringing people along with with climate action that also benefits them directly. And we should be having these conversations. And instead, it's the conversation around climate has become so dominated by these just disrupt disruptful protests. And should we be doing it or shouldn't we? Um, and I don't I think there are lots of different ways of protesting. You know, I, another thing I would say, third thing is you know, con getting people to engage with democracy, like recognising that we do have a, a democracy, even there's issues um, in that system, there is a system that, that works and engaging with those the system by contacting MPs and councillors and seeing what they can do to actually decarbonise on a local level, that's that's actually really important and there's not a lot of people engaging in, in those processes. Um, you know, we all want more cycle lanes and, you know, less cars on the road and and all the things that we want but the way to get that is to engage with the processes you know i went on um common ground recently and spoke to i was in a debate with a an extinction rebellion spokesperson and she said these politicians need to act like big boys and you know get the work done and, and stop acting like children and that, i kind of thought well sitting in roads and throwing tantrums and just shouting the same message again and again is exactly that same thing what we actually need to do is start having these sensible discussions with all people from all you know politicians journalists neighbors with everybody and understand that you know we need to to work together really to enact these changes so that that's what i would say is completely missing at the moment from the environmental movement it's just become very polarized and about shouting the same thing over and over again and then wondering why you know the change that we want isn't actually happening so what what was that Excuse me, sorry. Um, so was the basis of the Hourglass newspaper being developed, was that the main consensus of making use of having a platform or a, or a newspaper where people could access the relevant information in the palm of their hands? Yeah, so when I came up with Yarraglass um, and pitched it to Extinction Rebellion, it was to say we need to just have really simple messages about climate change and environmental issues and reach lots of different people instead of just our kind of group of, you know, in our echo chamber and get people aware of the issues and get them just thinking and talking about issues in a really simple way. And it was really good, actually, because we they were hand distributed by volunteers around the country. So they did reach quite unusual places with people writing in letters from completely different groups who'd never heard of us or never thought about climate change. And, and actually, you know, we're really interested to learn the issues. And that, to me, is really good, a good way for people to, you know, kind of um, come on board and start thinking about what the solutions are. I understand that what the green groups would say is that it's not fast enough and we have to force change and et cetera, et cetera. But I think they've been saying this since, you know, what, the 60s, 70s, and it hasn't worked They've been saying everyone should live with less and drive less and it hasn't worked. We need to actually make sure people are on board with the choices and that we 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 then fight for solutions that benefit everybody because you're not going to um, have progress. Otherwise, people will 
drive when it's easier to drive and people will buy whatever electricity is the cheapest we need to recognize that those are kind of the incentives that that drive people and work with that instead of expecting humans to just change their entire na you know nature because because of climate change yeah um it's like it's like i'll be honest it's like, i'll be honest you know i know that we have a massive problem um you know we need to really do something but i don't have all the facts i don't know all everything or all, all of it um you know and if i'm struggling to understand the messaging from people like Nestle Britain then that's a big problem and I think it's really important that obviously you have newspapers like Hourglass, um, Emergency Reactor um, and people like yourself doing, t um, doing um, conferences and so on um, so it's really important because Yes, their messaging is there, but they don't have the ability to maybe perhaps um, word it in the right way. Um, but when did you, um, so obviously I'm, um, I'm on your website at the moment, and obviously, you were the co-editor of Juno magazine, and obviously you've written for the Metro, Develt, Atlantico, and the Telegraph. So in all of your years of writing for these uh, magazines on, on, on environmental journalists, and obviously you've written a book, um, what is your main what has been your main focus since leaving um hourglass um extinction rebellion what's been your main focus well i did a lot of writing before extinction rebellion that was my primary um you know source of work and then afterwards i got much more into speaking and i've done more kind of um, yeah, public work and conferences and things like that and speaking to different groups. Um, and I think one thing that I noticed from my work before writing for the things that you've just given examples for was that it was very much in an echo chamber of this kind of like group of, you know, environmentalists, predominantly Green Party, usually quite middle class people who go on and on about the same issues and just keep saying, why doesn't everyone care about these issues? But they're very much in positions where it's easy for them to make the lifestyle choices that they want everybody to make. Um, and so now I try to reach away from those groups and reach out to other groups and, you know, find that most people care about these issues actually, but you've just got to find a way of bringing them on board and finding ways that they can get involved, which aren't, they don't have to be extreme things like blocking a road. They really don't have to be. The problem I say now is that it's so easy for these groups to do that, then they suck up all the oxygen in the news reporting and it's all about them and it's hard to get other voices in. I think that's become a bit of a problem and really we should be listening to other voices and especially from different groups and not just these kind of, you know, green groups that have um, 
been leading on on these issues for so long but actually how much progress have they made i don't think they have made as much as they could have and one of the reasons for that i think is because they pick and choose solutions and they don't communicate in a way that reaches outside of their little kind of echo chamber so everything i do now is about trying to reach out to different groups and have these conversations and you know recognize that we all care about the issues and you don't have to sit in a road to care about it you can take all kinds of small actions and it, they don't even need to be necessarily personal choices i used to write much more like for juno magazine about personal choices that people can make but actually it's very hard for people to make choices for example about insulating their home if they don't own their home you know or they can't have solar panels on the roof if they don't own their home they can't change their gas boiler for a heat pump so actually we need to look at how what are the structural things you could change well that's where you could engage with things like changing laws or changing you know the way the way the system works where you know landlords have this much control and power and maybe try and encourage them to to retrofit houses to make them insulated to to put solar panels on them that those are the sort of conversations i think we really need to be having and that i'm now having um that hardly anyone is having actually and, and if you think about it they're the most practical things that we can do to bring down emissions which is what these groups keep saying they want it's one thing to sit in a road and say insulate britain it's another thing to look at how do you actually get there and what needs to be done and what are the things that we should be doing to make that happen because absolutely it could happen but there's very few people actually working on it um that's the issue that i see at the moment yeah i think personally i think that's the ma- that's the massive um stumbling block that is you know obviously you know grinding insulate britain to a halt in their pursuit because as you rightly say you know they're sitting in the middle of the road you know causing massive disruptions you know saying insulate britain yet that i even challenged that this particular person with uh up the contradicting silence because you know that goes against what they say they kept on repeating the same thing and it's like if you're not even taking the minute taking the information in and having a healthy respectful debate how do you expect other people to take what you have to say on board and it's like and you know i was i i was you know i was a bit you know unhappy at the prospect at the fact that you know she was she wasn't as open but obviously you know they have their ideology they have their core core view core values and it's like If we don't do, if we are not active in active solutions, i.e. retrofitting or whatever, then we only have ourselves to blame. We can't blame the government, regardless of, you know, the issues. No, we can't just sit back and just let it, let the government or whoever be do it. We need to be active. So... I mean, it's like I know this will. I know this might be a bit of a broad um, statement, but 
in the next five years, what are you hoping to to see? I'm hoping for governments around the world, especially in you know countries that are quite well developed, quite wealthy, where it's it's completely easy for them to make these changes. I'm hoping for them to enact solutions quite quickly, get the reactors built, get the turbines built, you know, decarbonize. That that's it. That's the goal. Yes, we also need to look at, you know, the way people are living, but actually there's already a huge shift happening around the world of more people cycling and walking, more people using electric vehicles. Um, so a lot of those changes are already happening, but we need to completely decarbonize the way we live. And that is predominantly from, you know, how we produce our energy. That's a huge part of the, the solution. So that's what I would like to see happen, but not not with a 2050 target, just as soon as possible. You know, France, France built its reactors in the 70s and in about 10 years had completely decarbonized and they've had clean energy since then. We should be able to do it quicker now. The technology is even better. Um, you know, also, it's it's part of the energy transition because people talk about having a just transition, making sure that they're good jobs for people. These are good jobs. If you work in creating, um, you know, offshore wind sites or, or nuclear power plants, they're good, clean jobs. They're engineers um, who, who get, you know, good salaries. They're unionized jobs. I highly recommend that people you know instead of get sitting in a road and getting a record that will prevent you from having a good job in the future get trained and go into those professions because those are the people that are going to build out help us build our way out of this mess those are the people just ordinary working people with these skills um and i just can't emphasize that enough we desperately need these young people who are worrying about the future to get on board with that and to help us to decarbonize and i hope that those changes will be much swifter than what it looks like at present where there's a lot of dragging their feet or pointing at other countries saying what you know why aren't these countries doing anything the poorer countries are going to take longer to decarbonize and it's not on them it's on us because we we created this problem by burning lots of fossil fuels and we can help get out of it now by 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 reaching net zero as soon as possible and and it will benefit people in in our country too to do it so that's that's what my hope is that in the next kind of three, four years, we'll see those changes and we'll see our emissions come down, um, you know, exponentially. And we'll see people who haven't been left behind. They still have good jobs and they don't feel left. You know, they don't feel bitter about net zero targets and climate action and things like that. And also we'll have, you know, we'll have better air quality if we, if we manage to switch away from fossil fuels. So it's all a completely win win solution. So long as. We, we keep on the message and we don't just let the message be diverted away from solutions. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful at the moment that, that that's going to happen. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, obviously, you know, if you, obviously, as you pointed out earlier on, like if you own your own, if you own your own home, then obviously you're able to, get it up to the right standards of, you know, heating or whatever. Um, it's like, you know, within, you know, uh, five, within three to four years, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, along with you, that we can lower emissions, get people trained in that field or whatever, rather than doing more harm um, to the environment 
by way of you know creating more carbonized carbonized areas or because of you know blocked traffic you know blocking motorways and that sort of thing you know because at at the end of the day um you know what what struck me and and i think everyone else is at, at, at the time we were slowly coming out of um the last lockdown and easing out everything was starting to open up everyone was getting back to quote unquote their normal lives just as when we were starting to get back to some some sense of normality boom that's when in sleep recently like started protesting and you know i don't think anyone can argue the argue their concerns right no one can but the way they've gone about it the, the signals they are sending there's the scaremongering that they are going to are actually doing the, doing the opposite it's, in some instances it's actually pissing people off rather than as you say if you if they did it in a more um friendly way where they were getting people on board then they'd stand a better chance. And I um I I leveled that at them. Like I said to her, I, I said to them, why don't you set up events right where you do like mini seminars and explain to people and bring people on board, explain to people the severity, right? Bring up like research, right? Package it in a way where it's more presentable but they don't do that because they are so and you know you've said this already that they are so caught up in their own bubble that the only thing that they know to do is go out dis- cause disruptions and you know sit them in the road um or glue themselves to a pr- um a courtroom or spray graffiti and you know i think and for anyone listening i will include i'll put um zion's um ted talk in the description along with her, web- her website and um other material that you can go and check out um and I do really, and I really do implore everyone to check out Zion's work. Um, you know, and watch her TED talks. You know, because she will pull it into basically a better way because she knows what she's talking about. You know, she's level-headed. You know, obviously. Um, so yeah, but obviously, you know, obviously, I don't want to um, keep you for too long, for too long, because I know that you're uh, a busy 
uh, woman, and you've got obviously got things to get on with. So, obviously, we, you've mentioned what you'd like to have happen. Um, in terms of doing more TED Talks or more books, what is your plan? Um, so at the moment, I'm still doing a lot of public speaking. I'm going to conferences, writing a lot of articles and writing something for the French press right now. There's a lot happening. I would love to have the time to write another book. Uh, I think there's a story to be told of everything I've been involved in, um, you know, over the last decade in these these kind of green groups yeah. and where that, that journey's led me. I think that could be quite <coughs> useful for people who are just now getting interested in, in the movement and just now starting to wake up to the issues because it could sort of, you know, save them a lot of time learning about my journey and not necessarily making the same mistakes. So I'm hoping to at some point, but yeah, at the moment it's just a lot of speaking and a lot of um, just getting the message out there and trying to get people on board um, with what needs to happen. And I'm, as I say, I'm quite hopeful that, you know, people are very receptive and that I think the changes are happening. And yes, maybe they are a bit slow and you could say that, but that's why we ideally, you know, we founded Emergency Reactor to try and get more people involved to help push for these solutions so that it can happen quicker. Yeah, um, I will um, put all of the relevant information in the description so you can go and check out and obviously, you know, read up on everything that Zion has done. Um, you know, check and, you know, um, to hopefully bring you up to speed on everything. Um, but yeah, it's, but um, I think this. I think what you're doing, and I think many others in in your field are doing by doing um, conferences, TED talks, or that sort of stuff, is you're actually speaking to the masses in such a way that it's easy it's easier because you're speaking to people who are open-minded and are willing to listen and is making an impact and so i think it's vastly important that obviously you know do please check Zion out um her works out obviously you can read up on her work for yourself um, without her having to go into detail, I'll put her obviously um, emergency reactor and everything in the in the description. Um, and yeah, I think, like I say, I don't want to keep you for too long, so I think we'll wrap it up. And I just want to say that um, thank you for. Um, Giving up, giving up some of your time to join me. Um, I'm sorry that we couldn't do this um, a couple of weeks ago, but I'm thankful that we were able to reschedule. And so, and yeah, um, I just want to thank you for taking the time out. And I hope that um, I wish you all, wish you nothing but the best for the future. And. You know, if there's any, if there's ever anything that you ever want to to promote or 
or anything like that and would like to come back on the show at some point i'd be more than happy to have you on great thank you thanks a lot for having me it's been an interesting conversation yeah i hope um yeah um i really enjoyed the conversation and so yeah um i'm gonna so i will gonna i'm gonna end the uh, live here but again thank you for coming um everyone do please check out zion Heights. um you know i think having a different opinion having a solid opinion who knows what they're talking about is vitally important and it's important to uh, deep, dip into various sources and make sure to get a rounded opinion. So I hope everyone stays safe, look after your mental health, um, and yeah, just have an amazing day. Um, and wishing you all a happy weekend. And yeah, so um, I hope you have uh, a wonderful day and. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. Bye. Bye.